0: so common for people to say, oh yeah, our sex life was great before kids, and then after kids, no. And I actually did a mom and tots fair once where all I did was sit at my booth and ask people, like, on a scale of one to 10, where's your sex life at? And half of them looked at me like, what, what sex life? Like?" you know what no like we don't have a sex life and maybe 30 percent 30 percent of them were like definitely it's like not as good and then there were like one out of ten couples who were like oh my god it's so much better now it is so 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 much better now like we are absolutely in love and it's absolutely incredible and you have some wisdom around how how to actually support that and create that and so I'm, i'm really excited to hear that Recognize oh, yes,
1: And so most important, right, because I agree with you, those are that. what you we just stated you hear in people is the variation happens. I always hear and all over the world like it's again, a common thing across cultures is some people come out of birth and sex just totally goes by the wayside. Other people really, really struggle and other people rock it. So I wrote my newest book, um, The Ultimate Guide to Sex After Baby, Secrets to Love and Intimacy, by listening to all those stories and really trying to listen to what was different in the people that were like, this is the best sex of my life, right? (laughs) I was like, I want that secret, like what what did that for you? And what I came up by kind of categorizing what I was hearing from people was kind of nine steps. And I used, I love the acronym pleasures. So I used the letters of pleasures to kind of take me through what were those pleasures. And what I really kind of came to, and again, looking personally, and after my first child, I also just kind of made an assumption that things would go back and everything would be good. And I used the kind of analogy, because I love to sail, that we kind of got on two different ships for a period of time. But I was so naive. I assumed we were sailing to the same destination and we would come back and it would be awesome. But -hmm. what happened is we set sail for different places, Mm. and it became really apparent in time that there was no coming back right, Mm. and so I often questioned, what didn't we know why. Had no one prepared us? Why didn't anyone talk to us? And Mm -hmm. so these nine steps were also a personal reflection of like the first thing is like preparing, like where do, where are you now taking an inventory and where do you want to be? For some people, it's great. I want to just keep it this great. For some people, it's like we're struggling. We need to get it better. So I think, you know, to begin that journey, you need to really be honest with yourself. Where are you? and where do you want to be? And you need to plot that destination if you're going to end up there, whether you call it a vision board or however you do it. So I guide people through different ways of kind of plotting that course And then as we talked about a little bit earlier, I think we next have to really look at what is that foundation? What have we been told about sexuality Um, and especially sexuality, birth and motherhood or parenthood? Because a lot of times that's triggering. Many of us like never wanted to know our parents had sex and now Mm -hmm. we're a parent and we're like, wait a second, where does that belief that parents are asexual now apply to us. What have the generations before us felt about sexuality? So we really need to take a good inventory. And again, bring forward the things that serve you, heal the things that don't. Then going deeper into our own sexuality, um, are there things to be healed? Have we had good sexual education? like, and I love to ask people, if you think about your school,
0: did they give you the best sexual education ever? No. I mean, my sex ed in school was like, careful, you're going to get a disease or pregnant. And both of those are horrific outcomes. Better put some medical crap in your body to make sure it doesn't happen. If we were to summarize, if we were to summarize the like, like 150 hours that I spent listening to people on that topic, you're just like, what about, you know, what my body, my anatomy, things I can do, pleasure, erogenous zones, like the experience of communication and intimacy, the ability to say yes, the ability to say no, the ability to like, there's so much that like clearly was not, not, not gifted there in that way at all. Yeah.
1: So, and that's so common, right? And then go to the next level. Some people are blessed that this is a yes, but more still are a no. Did your parents give you good sexual education?
0: Not I, not I, nope. <laughs> Most yeah. people I think nope because, because of the cultural trauma, because of the cultural stigma and right. because of the sort of the prevailing, like sex is everywhere, but you can't have it. And it's like dirty if you do. And you're like, well, that's not, that's not a conducive container to having beautiful intimacy off the get-go. So people really do need to claim it back. Like they, same, right. same as with the birth, they got to say like, I want this, I'm going to do the work to get it. This is what I'm going to do. And, and it's really important to get a mentor and a, and a yes. guide like yourself or like myself along the way to offer that wisdom and to, to re-educate. And there are, if somebody's like, oh, there's no, there's no resources. I don't know where to look. It's like, uh, there are like thousands of women thousands. like you and me who are so passionate about, you know, there's the, the, the journey from sexual trauma, cultural sexual trauma to like healed and passionate and wild and free and delicious intimacy for sure. For sure. Totally.
1: So, so like, those are all steps in there, right? And yeah. getting the education and having access to the resources and all of that. yes, yeah, Such expansion can happen there. And I love that you said communication. Cause I think I love the book, The Five Love Languages Mm -hmm. and really taking people through how they communicate what their needs are to be seen, heard, respected. Communication for me is the foreplay of great sex, right? We have to really develop that. And especially as parents, because most of your time now is about diapers and feeds and, you know, just survival, who's cooking dinner. And so how do you have those deeper, intimate conversations? So it's been really this amazing journey of taking all these different steps and then getting into our sensuality, healing, coming forward, embracing sexuality, expanding into it in new ways. I'm always amazed how many people don't realize how many different types of female orgasms there are or... That, you know, all the 8,000 clitoral nerves and where they are. And so, really, once we can heal and learn and reflect and plot our course, we can then start making huge changes and also embracing our body. I think body image is another huge barrier for many people, especially after birth in feeling um, the differences in their body. And rather than perceiving them as strengths and honoring them and this becoming a mother or becoming a parent, many people hold them also in shame and kind of hidden, right? And whenever we hide a part of ourselves, we can't enjoy it as much. So being able to heal that and come out. So I just find that doing this class has been so transformative for me to watch different people start that journey. And then we do different topics every week for nine weeks, or people just do it on their own by using the book to go through the nine pleasures. But what I see at the end is that all of us have the potential for the best sex of our life. And we need the best sex of our life when we're a parent, because we have so many other demands. And we need to remember that our sexuality is an important part of who we are. It's the root of our creative energy. And when we stifle that, whether it's alone or with a partner, we're not only just stifling the joy and the pleasure of sexuality, but we're actually shutting down whole other pieces of ourselves. So we're not showing up as our best self in every way as a parent, in our careers, in our other relationships.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You know, The way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So if in our intimacy, we're shutting down parts of ourselves, we don't feel safe to communicate, whatever that might be, it's gonna show up in in other areas. Even as simple as like asking for help to do some of the chores or the baby diapering or whatever that might be. It's like, if you can't ask for that, you're certainly probably struggling with the experience of asking for exactly what you want in in your intimacy. Um, I talk sometimes about chore play instead of foreplay, you know, it's like this idea, if, if women are absolutely overdrawn and they're looking at their partner as just another chore, it's really hard to want to get excited about being in intimacy. Whereas when, you know, there's an active sort of collaboration of, oh, we're both working to make sure that all the things we need to do in a day gets done. And thank God we're working together because that then gives us the opportunity to then nourish ourselves with you know, conscious connection, intimate touch. And it doesn't have to, you know, especially in that early postpartum when mom's like baby, 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 and her vagina is maybe feeling, you know, sore, challenged, you know, her energies are low. That's a really beautiful opportunity to shift what intimacy looks like for a period of time. Maybe it's not the penetrative sexuality, you know, in that first six weeks is like, certainly not. But the opportunity to really shift the way that you are experiencing pleasure, the way that you engage and communicate around pleasure. Um, I get really passionate about the experience of energetic intimacy. So what's possible in terms of connecting and experiencing that uh, power and pleasure and surrender energies without even touching or with touching in ways that are not normally deemed as like super sexual there's, there's so much to be explored there. Absolutely. So
1: much to be explored. And I love that you said that too, because intimacy is so important and it doesn't have to be sexual right after that baby. Uh, everyone's different. You know, I've worked with many people and it always surprises me. They're like at two weeks, they're like, I'm ready. And I'm like, go for it. Right. But lots of people at six months, the body is still not ready, depending on the birth that you've had or whatever healing you need to do on every level. So, so important that everybody finds their right time, but that there is so much more, as you said, to intimacy and energetic. I like that. And feeling loved, being loved, expressing love.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, uh, there's something to be said also in in the the practice of preparing for orgasmic birth and how that prepares you for communication that can be challenging after birth right so if you're if you're doing that deep inner work you know maybe your pregnancy is the first time that you've really dived into sort of inner spiritual work or personal development work looking at those old issues and and finding out what's going on there all of that work absolutely prepares you to continue to do that work after baby arrives and to to find that place and the metaphor you shared of like two ships and 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 ending up in different directions it's like oh my gosh if if people could even have a goal that by a year from now we're having really rollicking intimacy what are we going to do in the next year you know as baby sort of moves from moves a little bit further away from mom and isn't in that like glom glom state all the time. What is it that we can do along the way to keep that into the intimacy, not even necessarily the sexuality, but right. the intimacy, the sense of closeness, the sense of connection, the sense of deep communion, the sense of good communication, feeling understood, desire to understand, all of these things really, really so important. Yeah.
1: So, so important.
0: Yeah. What are some of the, the beautiful stories or beautiful outcomes you've heard in terms of people having really wonderful intimacy after, after doing through, going through your course or, um, or after their orgasmic birth experiences, I'd love to hear one or two of those.
1: And I have to say, just like you said, I mean, Preparing for birth and having a birth that you feel positive about is a big way to go into postpartum sexuality because you're already feeling good about your body and yourself and your sexuality. Birth trauma is a major killer of intimacy. When we have trauma okay. of any kind, right? We're not gonna be able to open to the deepest levels of intimacy. So the just like you said, preparing for a birth, um, An orgasmic birth for me is the best way of preparing for postpartum sexuality. And those are the people that I see rocking it. One of the stories I have to share, one of the women writes it in our book. She was like, in preparing for an orgasmic birth, they did go deeper than they ever had in developing communication in their own sexual life during the pregnancy and understanding sexuality in new ways and what was pleasurable for her and multiple ways to have orgasms, like they learned so much and went beyond. And then she said, you know, where prior to birth, I was still, these are her words, kind of holding back. Like there was a part of me that wasn't ready to be that vulnerable yet. She said, after birth, I was like, he saw everything. Like I <laughs> opened more than I could have ever opened. Like, and she was like, now I'm like, if he saw that, I can do anything. And she said, it allowed the wildness in me to just fully be expressed. And what their sexual life now is, is so much more amazing because she's feeling safe to allow everything to be open, right? So I think that's important. And for people that have birth trauma, I just want to let them know it's still possible, but Mm -hmm. you've got to do the work. You've got to clear the birth trauma. You've got to do that work at some point, either you're doing it before the baby or you're doing it after the baby, um, because that potential is there and we're human. We can always heal. It's always available to
0: us. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a podcast I listened to a couple of weeks ago um, where the woman talked about the experience of traumatic hospital birth and the disempowerment that happens between the partner and, and the woman. And this experience where it just made so much sense to me. It was like this experience where, you know, there's a sort of a baseline assumption that our partners are there to take care of us. They're there to support us. They're there to, you know, watch over us and help us in this birthing experience. And in a situation, you know, and not all medical births are like this, but in a situation where you have sort of this like uh, cascade of interventions and the woman is further and further and further out of her sense of power and autonomy and the partner is there watching, witnessing and not doing anything what a damaging experience what a traumatic experience for both parties both for both parties and oh my gosh that gave me so much compassion for my my ex-partner my son's dad just being like oh like he was equally traumatized by that experience and and just like i was like why won't he do anything you know afterwards i was just like why why can't he get his shit together and like do something and it's like oh he was told, you have to stand still, watch this terrible thing happen, do absolutely nothing. You have no power in this situation. And that's that's the baseline. That's the new baseline after birth. And you're like, oh my God, no wonder if so many couples break up in that first year if they're not doing the work. No wonder so many couples have challenges along the way. And it's just like, you you really do need to do the work. It's like, if you're, oh. your sex life isn't there, you know, that's not a great sign for your marriage lasting a long time or your relationship lasting a long time. It really is an essential sort of pin that can hold people together and and keep them together over the long term. So it's absolutely, absolutely worth it to do the work. Yes, and
1: I'm gonna have to go in a minute, but I wanna add that, you know, our sexuality brings up our oxytocin, right? And we're learning now in this time of COVID because of the isolation, Many people have lower oxytocin levels and Mm -hmm. oxytocin is essential for your immune function. It actually is being shown that if you wanna boost your immune system, you need to elevate your oxytocin. So I always say to people in labor, but also postpartum, like you need to have 10 oxytocin enhancers that you know you can do at least three to five every day. And they're often can be around intimacy, right? So postpartum knowing that when When you cut yourself off from those feel-good feelings, from those oxytocin moments, you're actually not helping not only your immune system, which is your health, but it also impacts your well-being as well. So health and well-being revolve around us having connection and intimacy and love.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to, you know, I, I so honor your time today, Deborah. Thank you absolutely so much for being here. Um, I will make sure that all of your contact information and your website, your Facebook, your Instagram gets into the show notes so people can access that and learn more about your work and your books and your movie and all of these things. It's absolutely wonderful to connect with you today. And I'd love to do a deep dive into the hormones of birth at some point in the future, if you're open to that. Definitely. Um, Yeah. I love
1: the hormones, but thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, to come into your home, to invite (laughs) you into my office and let me know like what part is publicly available,
0: how we can share it as well. Let Megan know she's my pleasure coordinator. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, I'll send you guys some more information about how that will be available
2: very shortly. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Be well. Well, that was absolutely topic that Talk with Debra Pascale Bonaro today. We covered a wide range of topics, including the pleasure of birth, the importance of doing the work, finding your connection, being in connection with your partner, and the opportunity to explore what it is to be in pleasure. There is so much that is possible in terms of connecting with your orgasmic self, your divine self. We've, we covered the experience of hormones in birth just a little bit, the oxytocin, the beta endorphins, and DMT, and how that can share and expand and open the experience of birth, how important it is to be in a peaceful and quiet and dark and even romantic environment, and the radically beautiful outcome that is possible when you explore orgasmic birth, not just as a birth orgasm, as in like something you would normally recognize as an orgasmic birth, but also the experience of a pleasure sensation, any sensation of extreme pleasure, extreme joy, extreme connection to yourself and those around you that you may experience in birth is absolutely possible and real to experience these sensations. I wanna say thank you to everybody who is part of the membership who has been supporting this work. And uh, please invite those of you who are connected in, on social media, please feel free to share and invite the podcast version of these episodes and invite people into the membership. There is so much more. And I'm happy to hear from you if you have requests for uh, interviews that can happen, if you have questions about specific topics, if you are curious about something or you'd like me to create a mini course around that, I'm absolutely happy to create content specifically for you as part of the membership because you're the ones who make this happen. You're the ones who offer the financial support that allows me to continue to do this work and to, continue to offer interviews like this one with and to share some time with my family. I hope you have enjoyed this. And please, 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 it is so helpful if you review on iTunes, the podcast, and share, if you haven't already, share a testimonial about your experience of being part of the membership. Membership, oh my God, I'm breaking this entire. The membership, uh, it absolutely helps us reach more people. And I so appreciate your support and your sponsorship and your presence in my world. So much love to you. Thank you so much. And have a beautiful, beautiful day. Nine
1: steps, and I used I love the acronym pleasures. So I how used the letters of pleasures to kind of take me through what were those pleasures. Already, and what I really kind of came to, in and a way again looking personally, already been after my first child, I also just kind of made an assumption that things would go back and everything would be good. How much and I used the kind doing. of analogy because I love to sail that we kind of got on two different ships for a period of time, but I was so naive, I assumed really we were sailing to the same destination the and we would come back and it would be awesome. Or but what, what happened we is we set sail for different places and it became really apparent in time that there was no coming back, right? And you. so I often questioned, what didn't we know? Why had no one Realizing prepared us? Why didn't anyone talk to us? And so these nine Steps were also a personal reflection of like the first thing is like preparing.